are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only with it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. And I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me on Twitter at Kuka Hill NBA. You can find me writing articles over at Detroit Bad Boys. You can find me on YouTube at Coos Ballroom. You can also, like I tell you guys, every episode, I was a credential media member for the 2019-2020 season, so I'm kind of a big deal. I'm just joking with you, but... <laughs> Anyways, today's episode for Wednesday, like I've told you guys many times before, I want to start doing a mailbag, and today's going to be the first episode of the Wednesday mailbags. You know, it's kind of funny, if you guys follow me on Twitter, I completely forgot about this. I had, like, no idea what I wanted to record about today, so I started asking people, hey, like, what is it that you guys want to hear about today? And as I was listening to, like, all the suggestions, I thought, I'm like, wait, today's Wednesday. I'm supposed to be doing a mailbag Wednesday. So, like, I had no clue. And literally, this is 10.30 on Tuesday night. I always record the night before. So, literally, like an hour ago, I tweeted out, oh, well, you know, I was supposed to do a mailbag. And, you know, yeah, sorry. If you guys want to shoot questions over to me over the next hour, if I get enough, I'll do it. And sure enough, you guys really wanted this because there's a lot of questions I was asked. So, I'm just going to scroll through all of them. We're going to spend the entire episode answering all your guys' questions that you guys submitted to me. And, yeah, let's have some fun with this. So, very first question we got was from XE Genesis, I think is how you pronounce it. He says, what should the Pistons, maybe just the rookies, be rated in NBA 2K21? Okay, yeah, I'm just going to do the rookies because if I had to go through like the entire 15-man roster, I'd be here for quite a while because I'd have to go through and and like analyze everything and make sure I get everything right. So we're just, we'll just do the rookies here. So first, I'm going to say Saban Lee. I think Saban Lee probably should be rated a 68 overall. And before anybody, like, gets hurt over that, like, come on. If you guys are fans of Saban Lee, he may be a good player. But I think trying to say that he's over a 70 when he can't really shoot at all, can't shoot off the dribble. um, And I I don't know. I think he's not a 70 yet. He may not get to a 70. Maybe he's just a 68 like the rest of his career. Maybe he just doesn't pan out. But I don't see how you can grade him over a 70 this year. Next we'll go... Sadiq Bay, I think Sadiq Bay has probably played good enough to be rated a 79. I'd give him a 79. I don't know if he should be in the 80s yet. Because I feel like if you're in the 80s, actually, I don't know. I Actually, no, I'll stick to the 79. 79, I don't think he's in the 80s yet. I think next year he'll probably be like an 82, 83 or something. But right now, I'll give him a 79. Uh, Isaiah Stewart, I think Isaiah Stewart will be rated a 78 right behind Sadiq Bay because he's a big man who is showing that he can shoot. He's pretty good on defense as well. He's really good inside. Uh, so I think he probably – actually, I wouldn't be shocked if Isaiah Stewart ended up grading out as the best Piston rookie on 2K because of because of how much, like, shooting matters for, like, big men in 2K. So I feel like if they updated him to where he, like, can actually shoot, if they updated his player, I feel like he probably would be around the same overall Sadiq. So I'll keep him right behind Sadiq, though, at 78. And then Killian Hayes. I'll put Killian Hayes at – hmm. I'll put Killian Hayes down at, like, a 73 overall. 
he could go up. He could go up by the end of the season. I think he might go up. But like based off his first seven games, and of course since he's been back, I don't think you can really get him higher than that. I'm shooting. I'm assuming his shooting, like his three point shooting, is probably like a 60 overall, if that. Probably based off how he's shooting right now. Um, but outside of that, I think his mid range shooting should probably be decent, like a 70. And I'm assuming that his playmaking and stuff is really high, and that his defense should also be pretty high as well. So I think he probably grades out like a 73 overall in 2K. So that actually was a fun question. I actually. I used to play 2K a lot before this year. This year, I don't play it as much. It was just uh, it, it was a disappointment on next gen. Hopefully, it comes back next year and it releases a better game. But I've played 2K my whole life. I'm a 2K guy. I've been playing my my player, my career, the park. That's that's like what I do. I, I played so many hours of that. So that was actually a really cool question. There's actually another question I saw in here that we're going to get to later that probably is my favorite question that was asked, but we'll get to that later. All right, so the next question. This is actually going to lead into a bigger topic. So Jacob Castro, he asks, do you think installing a losing culture taking or tanking can have a negative effect on the players or teams to the point that they don't develop or learn the NBA game the way they should? I feel losing, constant losing can cause players to never have that drive to win in the long run. Okay, so this is going to develop into a bigger plot here. And these two questions are probably going to take up the entire first segment that I promise we'll get into the next the next two segments where we'll answer every other question. There's a lot of them. I promise it won't take as long as this one will. But so this question right here, I was I was informed that Mike Valenti, which I believe is how you say his name, was talking about um, he had like a rant because Frank Jackson apparently is playing too good and helping Pistons win games. He wants losing. He wants he needs these picks. He needs us to lose so we can get higher in the draft. So. I, this question right here, I think, is going to loop in with my take on that whole thing. So, I, Jacob, if you're listening, I hope this like answers your question good enough because I want to like hit on it with, with this whole topic. So, one thing people need to understand about this whole losing thing for the Pistons this year is that the lottery odds have been adjusted. Losing more, like the Pistons are going to have the same odds if they finish one, two, and three. Like they're going to have the same odds. So whether they lose the most in the league or they lose the third most, they will have the same odds no matter what. So I don't get like it's not like years past. So that that doesn't matter. And then also, no matter where they go, I believe my friend Keith Black, the historian that I always talk to you, tell you guys about, the one who's the historian of history itself, been around since Jesus Christ himself. But uh, he said that I believe that all teams have like a forty-eight percent chance of dropping versus a fifty-two percent of going up, no matter like what, no matter where you're at. So that once again, that's another thing that you need to take into account when you're talking about, oh, I want these picks, I want the, these lose, want the team to lose. But more with your question, Jacob, and this also will hit on the Frank Jackson thing, is that you're 100% right that installing a losing culture or having like just constantly losing and just caring about tanking, not developing a culture or like winning habits can have a negative effect on the franchise. 100%. Like look at a lot of these franchises over, like everyone likes to point the Sixers like, Oh, look at the tank job they've done. Blah, blah, blah. What about the Timberwolves? Like, let's look at the Timberwolves. What's going on over there? What about the Charlotte Hornets? Like what's going on over there? Then you got the Pistons. The Pistons, I'm sorry, might be, are getting close to being included in that team. Those kind of teams. It's been what? 13 years now, 12 years now. It's been a while. And what what is what is this losing done for them? This losing hasn't done anything for them. So like 100% installing losing cultures and all that is not good for a franchise. I don't care if you're just like into tanking, which if you guys followed me on YouTube before this season, I mentioned that as why I was such a fan of Troy Weaver's offseason because he didn't just go out and get like bad players and say, "Okay, let's just form a bad player a team full of bad players and just lose and get a top pick." You see how this team competes every night. They play 
I don't want to say they play winning basketball because they obviously don't win much, but they play hard and they're close in every game. They're not out there just tanking games. And that's how you should be doing it. While they're losing, yes, they are still installing winning habits. They're they're playing hard every game. They're they're trying to win games. Like this is how you're supposed to do it. And this is why I was such a big fan of Tory Weaver's offseason because he got players who will not go out there and just stink up the joint. They go out there and they'll set an example and show you what you need to do to win. They may not win much. They may not. They're not winning much. But they're setting an example of how you need to play this game and how you need to prepare yourself night in and night out. And with whole Frank Jackson thing, instead of us talking about talking about Frank Jackson hurting the Pistons somehow by helping them win too many games, how about we talk about the fact that Toy River did a great job at finding Frank Jackson, a guy who was previously probably wasn't thought of to be in the league much longer, but has found this guy, a young guy, who looks like he might be on the Pistons for the foreseeable future as a key piece of the bench unit. How about we talk about that? How about we talk about the fact that the, the, the culture that Troy Weaver is installing here and the kind of foundation that he's putting down is enabling players like Frank Jackson, players who were given up on or not thought of being much like Josh Jackson. How about we start talking about how those guys are coming to Detroit and playing well because of the culture that is being set. Let's not talk about the fact that they're winning one too many games for you, even though the Pistons will have a just an almost 50-50 chance of falling or dropping no matter where they go. And the fact that the, the odds in the lottery have been adjusted to where just flat-out tanking won't matter anyways. How about we talk about that instead of, instead of all the losing BS and we need draft picks and all that. How about we do that? I won't go any further on on the comments that was made by <laughs> Villani. I'm not going to uh, get involved in that too much, but that's my take on it. How about we stop trying to be negative all the time and actually be happy that the Pistons GM is putting this kind of foundation, this kind of culture that enables those type of players to be playing really well and be flourishing in Detroit. That That's a good thing. But... Before we get into the further questions, let me tell you about one of the, our sponsors, like I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, Michelob Ultra. And I'm going to tell you the player that brought me the most joy, happiness, and enjoyment this week and is my Ultra Player of the Week. So there was a couple options here. I thought about going with Killian Hayes. I thought about going with Isaiah Stewart. But I'm not going to just pick like the best players. I'm going to, bring, I'm going to pick the players that have like a fun story. And that, I, like we just were talking about him, it's going to be Frank Jackson. I think Frank Jackson has been playing extremely well. He's been extremely fun to watch. He's been creating a ton of joy for everybody watching the Pistons. Like, a lot of guys just didn't know who this dude was before he got here. And for the first, like, half of the season, he just, like, he wasn't playing at all. And when he did play, no one really wanted to see him play. But over the past month and a half or so, especially this week, when he set career highs, I believe, three separate times in games, it's just been extremely fun to watch him. And be honest, there's plenty of time to be objective and to analyze the game. But if we're just being honest, enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game when you're watching basketball. You want to sit there and you want to enjoy your time. And I think Frank Jackson has made us enjoy Pistons basketball a lot this week. No, he's not Keelan Hayes or Sadiq Bear, Isaiah Stewart. But I think in his role and the way he's been playing, I think he's brought Pistons fans a ton of joy this week. So my Michelob Ultra Player of the Week is Frank Jackson. Congratulations, Frank. I think everyone should like at Frank on Twitter and let him know that, hey, man, you were Kuz Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. That's a prestigious award. Like everyone should go let him know that. Like that's that's an amazing award, man. Not everybody gets called Kuz Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. But anyways, we're going to continue with the mailbag. The next question is going to be from Rip Hamilton Stan account. Hey, I messed with Rip. Okay, his question is top five favorite Pistons of all time. Okay, so if you guys followed my YouTube in the offseason, I made a video talking about who my favorite Piston was of all time. And at that time, it was Blake Griffin. Now, I know a lot of you guys watching this 
listening to this podcast are going to be immediately pissed off that I said that. But if you guys watch that video, you guys will understand where I was coming from. Like, I have memories of, like, the going to work Pistons, but I'm, I'm extremely young. So, like, I didn't, like, have memories, like, like throughout a season or understood, like, the totality of some of the games and the whole season or anything. Like, I, I didn't have the same emotions with them because it's more, mostly just, like, memories in the back of my head of those guys. But Blake Griffin was, like, the first guy who brought me, like, a successful season, a great season, and something I can remember from game one to game 82. Like, I can remember everything about that season. So, And he brought me a lot of joy that season. So I'm going to say Blake Griffin's in my top five. My second – actually, I'm not going to put them in order. So I'm just going to just name all five. So one, Blake Griffin. We got another one, and Chauncey Billups. Chauncey was one of my first – I think he was the second player – that I ever remember watching as a Piston. I'm going to tell you guys who my the first person was. But Chauncey, immediately, I, I don't remember how I knew his name was Mr. Big Shot, but I remember always going around just calling him Mr. Big Shot to everybody. Like, I don't remember how I even knew that was his nickname because I was so young. But I always just referred to him as Mr. Big Shot. I had his jersey. I absolutely love Chauncey. I remember, here's a cool story. I was coming on the on the bus home. I was I believe I was in fourth grade. I was walking home, and my stepdad at the time was standing outside, and he screams down, as I'm walking home from the bus stop, he screams down the street, Chauncey Billups has been traded. I sprint home, and I come inside. I see that he had been traded, and I literally was crying the rest of the day. Kid Koo was not happy. I was brokenhearted. So, anyways, we got Blake. We got Chauncey. I'm going to go with Rip Hamilton. Rip was the first player I ever remember watching as a Piston in a jersey. His mask was just iconic to me. I, I absolutely loved Rip. He was my guy. So, he's third. Fourth? Huh. I know people are going to be like, who you just should just name people from the going to work team. But like I said, I don't want to just do that because I, I don't feel like that's really like, like fair. I don't, I don't know if that's completely honest. So I, I guess fourth would probably be, I'll go with Andre Drummond. Cause that's another player during my time watching the Pistons, like the last 10 years when I've actually been able to grow up and watch game one to game 82, the Pistons have just been like dog water. Let's just keep it a buck. And Andre Drummond has been one of the only players who has bought us like he good play, and it was fun watching. I had fun watching Andre, and I've, I've, I'm still a fan of Andre. So he was another guy. So that's four. And then the fifth person, huh? Who would be my fifth favorite person? Because there, there hasn't been really like a lot of Pistons who have stayed on the team a very long time. Usually, everyone's just been gone for two years after like two years and and traded or like not come back. So I don't know. Actually, I don't know. I don't know if I can answer that question. I don't know who my fifth favorite Piston of all time is. I guess I can just go with Ben Wallace. I'll pick Ben, but like, I love Ben, but I feel like I don't have as much of that connection with Ben because as a kid, when I was growing up, I was like six, seven years old. The two guys I really only remember from the going to work team, me having that, that kind of connection with where I can remember to this day, multiple memories is Chauncey and Rip. But even looking back, I love Ben. I, I, every time I hear the dong, I still get goosebumps every time I hear it. So I guess I'll say Ben. So actually, no, I don't think that isn't fair. I think actually, now I think about it, I do have quite a few memories of Ben. So yeah, Ben will be my fifth. So Chauncey, Rip, Blake, Andre, and Big Ben. That will be my top five Pistons of all time. Um, KJ has the next question. What's up, my guy, KJ? He'd be in the locker room uh, shows with us. You guys got to download that app. But my boy KJ, he says, do a power rankings of the top five Pistons players as of today. Um, I guess you obviously have to put Jeremy Grant up there. You got to put Sadiq Bey up there. You got to put, I think at this point, you got to put Isaiah Stewart up there. Um, um, I think you might have to put Mason Plumley. maybe. Do you put Mason Plumley in that top five? That's really, it, it's hard because I think after you get past Jeremy Grant, there's a lot of guys you can go to. 
So, hmm. I guess you go Jeremy, you go Sadiq, you go Isaiah Stewart. I think next you might go Josh Jackson. And then I think it's between, after that, honestly, I think you probably, after that, you go between Keelan Hayes or Mason Plumley. And I know people, like the people who hate on Keelan Hayes will be like, oh, he hasn't even played that much. How can you put him up there, blah, blah, I think Keelan Hayes has already shown in, like, the games he's played since returning from injury that he's probably one of the Pistons' best players already. Like, the Pistons just play better when he's on the floor. So I think it's between Killian and Mason Plumlee after that. And then it's just a deep, uh, just a deep drop-off drop after that, I think. Yeah, it's not uh, not the greatest talent right there. It's not <laughs> it's not the greatest talent right there you were talking about. But I don't know. Those players are fun, and I think those are the top five players. Um, ben Gralker puts a question out here. I'm not going to read your question, Ben, because your question literally is still hurting my brain. I'll read actually no, I'll read it, but I'm not going to answer. I actually will save that for Friday when I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'll have a specific segment for you this question because this is going to be like this this is still hurting my head. He asks, What's a better value per dollar? Isaiah Stewart over the life of his rookie contract or Jeremy Grant over the life of his current three year deal? Now I am no position to answer that right now. Like my head is still hurting trying to figure out which one I would pick right there. And I told you that and you kinda of poked fun at it, but I cannot answer that question right now. I, I need like a while to think about that. So we're going to go to the next question. I'm sorry, Ben. But Alex Urban says, who of the young guys not under long-term deal doesn't come back next season? Um, I think the guy who ha- is most likely not to come back, which I'm not sure because of a contract position, I think they might have actually just guaranteed his contract. Actually, does Dennis Smith Jr. count as a young, young guy to you guys? I think he's not coming back easily. He's not going to be back on here next year. So I guess that's one. If you still count Okafer as like a young guy, I guess, I don't think he'll be back. Um, but if you got if you guys aren't talking about those type of guys, I think I would say Savitas probably has the most chance, the highest chance of just not being on the team next year. Uh, I don't really get like what he is or really like why he's on the roster. We haven't really got a real look at him, which is kind of confusing to me because if the contract, the, like where they drafted him and the amount of assets they put into drafting him, you think that they would want to like get a better look at him, and I just we haven't. So like I have no clue about that guy. I don't really know what his the point of him being here is. So. Whatever, I guess Savitas would be the answer, but also those other two if you count them as young guys. So, moving on, we got another question from Detroit Jock City. We got, <laughs> he poked fun at the fact that uh, the fact that I waited so long to, re- to ask for a mailbag. Hey man, I forgot, but at least I'm doing it. And you guys came through with a ton of questions. Like, I'm not even halfway through yet. But he asked, does Frank Jackson have a future with the organization as a death player coming off the bench, or is he overachieving? Um, he may be overachieving. Like, I don't think he's going to be setting his career high every day like he has been over the past week. But I do believe he's found he's going to have a future with this organization as a deaf player. He's playing really well. And honestly, as I looked at him coming into the league with this, like, 40-inch vert that he had apparently and this how well he shot the ball, it's kind of, like, it's shocking. But also, like, I could see now, like, what people were – like, if people were hiring him coming out of the draft, I could see why. And he's playing really well. I think he's played himself into that role 100%. I think he gets re-signed in the offseason instantly. Like, no doubt. I think he's found, he's probably the Pistons' backup shooting guard for the next few years unless, like, you know, they trade him for a good deal or, or they sign somebody who's better or they draft someone who's better, obviously. Like, any of that could happen. But as of right now, I think he's playing well enough to have a future with the team as a death player coming off the bench, which is really good. So, next question is from Aaron Shapo. He says, Frank Jackson clearly deserved to stay next year, but how much would a new contract for him look like? Um, Like five to seven million, I think. Five to seven million a year, maybe. Maybe I'm I'm not great with the cap. I, I may be like overshooting that, but I think five to seven a year 
sounds like something that would be fine for Frank Jackson. Like maybe two year, ten million dollar contract or two year, nine million dollar contract, four and a half a year, something like that. I think that probably like would would fit for Frank Jackson. I think the team also has would have interest in bringing him back as well. So I don't think we have any questions about him coming back. So, all right. So before we get into the rest of the questions, we are going to talk about a couple of our sponsors, and then I'm going to finish out all the mailbags you guys gave me, which I, I'm really appreciative of. But before we get there, let's talk about your guys' favorite sponsor. That is Built Bar. The best tasting protein bar on the planet Earth comes with a variety of flavors, including six new flavors in caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barsa, lemon almond, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. All flavors are covered in incredible tasting chocolate and are soft and easy on the teeth to chew. These bars are low in calorie and sugar but are high in protein and fiber. A flavor I'd suggest is the peanut butter flavor, packed with 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, only 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. So go try the Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. And then also let me tell you about another one of our sponsors, a recurring one, that is AG. Betting is now legal in Michigan, and if you're anything like me, you want to take advantage of that instantly. However, there was one problem I continually ran into. There's just so many different apps that you can bet through. Which one do I know is best for me? Which one should I download? Which one should I go online and use? And that's when I found Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL season might be over, but the NBA and NHL season are still in full swing. If you want to take your adventure beyond sports, however, BetOnline has you covered there too. Like I've told you guys many times before, I had no clue that you could even bet on awards, TV shows, and reality TV, but BetOnline has you covered. BetOnline also has real-time updated odds and props on just about anything you can imagine. BetOnline is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to BetOnline now to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, and make sure you use promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And I think a lot of you guys have really let me know that Built Bar is your favorite uh, sponsor with us. You hear them all over the place. I know you guys have let me know that it's your favorite one. And I, I know it's my favorite one as well. But <laughs> we're going to continue with the mailbag. We're going to try to finish all these questions. This has actually taken a lot, a lot longer than I thought it would. But we're going to try to answer all the questions. we still got quite a few. So I'm going to try to go a little faster with this. So... Chris Stankowski, I hope I said that right, my guy. He says, any experiences playing against D1 or future D1 type players? These are always my favorite basketball stories, to be honest. And this was the question I was talking about that is going to be like one of my favorite ones. So I don't know if he ended up going D1. I believe he did, but he ended up like stop. He ended up stopped playing basketball uh, for some reason. I forget what it was, but I've told this story before. Jermaine Jackson Jr., I went against him ever since I was in sixth grade. Like, I played against him in, like, what was called, like, the Chippewa Valley League. That was my school district. Before you could try out for the basketball team in middle school, they had, like, the own little league for people below that. And also, if you didn't make the team, they had one outside for, like, the guys, who, like I said, got cut, whatever, could play in. So that was the league I used to play in before middle school. And ever since sixth grade, I played against him. And that dude was just wild. His dad is Jermaine Jackson, and the reason why I said that, I've told this story before, it's because they're really close with LaMelo Ball and the Ball family. I believe James, Jermaine Jackson's Jr.'s dad, he is the trainer for LaMelo, I believe. LaMelo and Lonzo, he's their trainer, basketball trainer. And he also, I believe, was their coach for, uh, was it Siena Heights? Is that where they went to high school? He was their coach of something as well. But he's also their basketball trainer, and they're super close. I know Jermaine Jackson Jr. before LaMelo got drafted, had that picture of him and LaMelo at one of the malls, I believe it was Somerset in Michigan, 
uh, they were taking a picture together, them shopping, whatever. So they're super close. But Jermaine Jackson Jr., I went against him ever since I was in sixth grade. And, man, that dude was – I remember being, like, in, in that sixth grade league, he was throwing behind-the-back passes and everything, some things I had never seen before. And, like, I was 10 years old. I'm, like, sitting there, like, what the hell is this dude doing? I, I don't even know you could do this stuff. What the hell? And, like, <laughs> it was really cool because that dude ended up going overseas – playing basketball, like, left from, like, I believe ninth to 10th grade. Like, just went overseas because he was that good to play. And then comes back, and when he came back, he goes to my rival high school. Like, I hadn't heard from him in, like, two years. I haven't heard about him. And all of a sudden, he comes back, and he's playing for our rival high school, Dakota. I went to Chihuahua Valley High School, if you guys know where that's at. But our rival school is Dakota. He went and played for them, and they ended up just stacking up recruiting, cheating, basically. I'm going to call it out. You guys cheated. They stacked up all this talent. I remember my varsity season – I had to guard him. I remember we were playing like a, I think it was a box and two or a triangle and two or a box and one or whatever, and I had to guard him. I was the guy put on him because I was a really good defender. I had a lot of energy, I whatever. So I had to guard him. I remember the, I'll answer this, I'll say this final thing and then we'll move to the next question, but the one thing that always will stick with me with Jermaine is that he's the first player I ever guarded in basketball that did that whole, as soon as I feel contact, as soon as like you touch me, I'm going to flail my head back and like show the ref that you made contact with me and draw fouls. Man, he did that instantly when I guarded him. Like, I had no, I was not prepared for that at all. And as soon as he did that, I was immediately hit with a foul. I was like, okay, this dude is like, <laughs> no more doing that. I will not put my arm on him again. Um, but later in that game, I did draw a charge on him at the top of the key. I moved my feet pretty good. So, yeah, he was definitely one of the toughest guards I've ever had to have. And he played, I believe, one year at Detroit Mercy underneath his dad. Uh, so yeah, that's the, I think that's the only D1 player. Actually, no, I believe I've went through a couple others, but I don't know their names, but that's the guy that I always will talk about because I went against him since I was a kid. So next one is another one from Rip Hamilton's stand account. Actually, we're going to scroll up a little bit, see if I can find another question. I already answered one of your questions. I'll see if I can answer someone else's before we end this. Uh, let me scroll through. Yep. We got one right here from Caesar Chan. It says, would you move Plumlee at the off in the off season to start stew next season? Um, I think if there's value for Plumlee, yeah, you would like to do that. But I don't see a problem with just simply starting Stewart next season and then just bringing Plumlee off the bench. I, I, I don't think that's an issue. I, honestly, I think that's a topic we're going to save for the next podcast as well about why I believe Stu should just be starting over Plumlee, and we'll lay those arguments out next podcast. But I think that uh, I think you could just have Plumlee coming off the bench next. I don't think you have to move him. If you can move him, sure, go ahead and do that. But I don't think you have to move him in order to start Stewart. I don't think Plumlee is one of those guys who will cause like a – big issue with that but yeah so next question we got from ben cooper he says what is your dream job which is i I, that's a really cool question to ask me man i appreciate that but my dream job is kind of like what i'm doing right now ever since i like growing up i wanted to be a professional basketball player um i am pretty good at basketball like i'm not some d1 player or anything i'm pretty good at basketball but i just was cursed with like not being very tall and not having extremely long arms and just being like blessed with natural jumping ability or anything like that to make up for the fact that I was not very tall. So growing up, I always wanted to be a professional basketball player. I wasn't able to do that because of those reasons. So then I decided like, you know, I want to find a way to stay with basketball. What's the way I can stay in the basketball scene? I remember I always would love, I kind of talked about this in the first episode of the podcast, introducing myself, but I always watched first taking that stuff growing up. I wanted to be like, Hey, I want to debate sports. I want to talk sports. That's what I want to do. So I'm kind of doing my dream job right now. Like I want, if I could write somewhere, I'd love to write somewhere for some money as well. I'd love to like fight for a big place. I'd also would love to like get onto a get onto a big 
like get to ESPN or somewhere like that, talking sports like on TV and stuff, analyzing the game, which I think really lacks in the NBA community. I think a lot of people just like to talk narratives on ESPN and stuff, and everyone complains about it. I think I bring a fun like mixture of being able to have fun and bring fun to stuff and and be like bring your Stephen A type of rants and and to be loud and and fun to see but also I'm really smart about the game and love talking about the X's and O's and like stuff like if you guys follow my Twitter the last few days I tweet out these clips that I like and break down these plays that really show like how well someone's progressing so I feel like I bring a good balance to that so if my dream job it's kind of like this kind of thing with the podcast. I'm having a lot of fun doing this, but also like maybe get to ESPN and talk on talk on TV about sports or that kind of thing. So I think that would be my dream job and be able to make like my career out of it, not have to have like a second job or whatever like I do now. But I think that would be my dream job. Great question. I really appreciate that one. But uh, all right, we got like I think three more left. How much time do we got left? We're at 29 minutes. Oh, okay. Let me see if I can hurry. I'm gonna try to answer these ones really quick. I'm not. I don't want to make this podcast last too long for you guys. All right, so next one, we got um, start bench cut. Sadiq Stu Killian. Okay, we're going to start. We're going to start. Oh, God, man, Nick. <laughs> this, this is a hard one. I want to do a quick, quick question. I want to get this over, but you got me thinking here. All right, so the thing is, I'm starting or benching Killian no matter what. I feel like he has the highest potential now. Like, he's your highest draft pick. I, there's no, like, I think he has the highest potential now from what I've seen. I think he has, like, I see the potential people are talking about. So I have to start or bench Killian. So I, I, so I have to cut either Sadiq or Stu. And I think the thing is, I think I'm going to have to cut Sadiq here. I don't want to cut any of them. Like, obviously, don't come in my dimension saying, Koo, what the hell's wrong with you? You don't like Sadiq? No, all of them are really good. I want to keep every single one of them. But this is my thinking with this. So, like, Killian, I think, has the highest potential of all of them. So he has to stay no matter what. So I might just bench Killian because he also could bust because we haven't seen enough of him. So, fair, I'll bench him. But start, I like I've been saying with Stewart, a big man who can shoot threes, who has really good touch around the rim, who can rim protect, move his feet in the pick and roll when he goes out and switches, which is a big thing in this era of basketball. And the fact that he's improved so quickly – and I don't know what his ceiling could be. All that stuff at the center position, I feel like it's harder to find than it is for you to find like a 3 and D player like Sadiq is at the wing. Now, that is not to minimize Sadiq. Sadiq could go on to be like an all-star type of player. Like he could be a star, like a monster. I don't want to cut any of these guys. Which I really hate this question, actually, Nick. If you listen to this, man, I, I don't appreciate this. But I think I have to cut Sadiq for that reason, even though I don't really want to do that. Uh, but whatever. All right, so next question. From Don, my boy Don. He says, if Pistons get pick number two, who would you like to see them draft? Um, I don't know if I'm prepared to answer that question because I don't know. Like I've mentioned to you guys before, I don't pay attention much to prospects yet. So I'm assuming Cade's not not here because of pick one. So at pick two, I don't know. I don't know enough about it. I'm going to leave that to you guys. You guys go ahead and come in my mentions. If you guys are still here listening to this, go in my mentions and you let me know who you guys would pick at number two. Answer down question for me. Everyone go to my mentions at NBA. Answer that question. Who would you pick if you were the Pistons if they had pick number two in the draft? I don't know. I just picked the best player like I've told you guys before, but I don't know who that best player should be. So, anyways, next question. I think this might be the question, the last question here. He said, it's from Andrew Giddings. He says, when do you think the national media will start to pick up on how well the kids are doing? Or has the national media already picked up on I just missed it? Um, Andrew, I think something you have to realize is that you're the fan of the Detroit Pistons. So unless the Pistons are winning a championship, and even when they do that, the, the national media are going to hate to talk about them. Uh, unless they're winning championships, they're not going to talk about the kids. They're just not going to do that. Like, they're not going to talk about much about Detroit at all, whether they're doing good or bad. Like, it's just not something they're going to do. So I don't think you've missed it. It just They're not going to talk about it. Which I, I was kind of surprised that they even, 
like showed Killian. Killian's highlight pass. So I don't know. I don't think you've missed it. They're just not going to talk about the Pistons. There's people like national guys. I guess you could call them on Twitter that you follow, like Nikias. He's one of them. He's talked a little bit about the Pistons, young guys, before I've seen it. But like if you're talking about like on TV and stuff, you're just not going to see it, man. I'm sorry. You're probably not going to see it. Um, man, we're already at 32 minutes. I know that the, you guys don't want these podcasts going long. I don't want to get myself in trouble. Uh, there's a few more questions left, but I'm going to answer this last one, and then I, I, maybe I'll, I'll answer these questions at the beginning of the next podcast. How about that? So I'll answer this last one. If I haven't got to your question, you guys didn't hear your name, I'm sorry. We'll answer it at the next podcast. But this last one I'm going to answer is from Tyler Moore, Mormon, my guy. What's the deal, man? I hope you listen to this. He says, starting off years ago with us clowning on the pod with Joe about the Pistons need to trade for D'Lo to hear you are now hosting. Not much of a question, but you've lit a new fire under my bleep this past week seeing you make it, so thank you. Okay. All right, so I know what you guys are going to think. I know you guys are going to think I knew this wasn't a question. I just wanted to read this and make myself feel good about myself. But I had, I swear to God, I did not know that he was going to do that. I saw the D-Lo. I thought he was going to ask me if I still wanted to have D-Lo. But, uh, Tyler, man, thank you. This I I really appreciate it, man. I definitely have – I've grinded really hard to get where I'm at. I'm really appreciative of people who have put good things out for me and had people notice me and uh, – Thank you, man. I, I really appreciate it. I, I've worked really hard for this. I, I hope everyone listening has really enjoyed listening because I'm having fun and I, I, I worked really hard to get here. So thanks, man. And I, if you work really hard, I know you can get somewhere too. Just keep working. Uh, I Like I said, I appreciate it, man. Actually, I'm very humbled by that. Thank you. Um, thank you guys for submitting all the questions. We're going to do the next one back on Wednesday. And don't forget that on Fridays we do the segment, Are You Drinking the Kool-Aid? Do not send me questions. Make a statement such as, Keelan Hayes will be the best player from this draft. And then I'll tell you, am I drinking the Kool-Aid? Am I not drinking the Kool-Aid? So don't post questions to me. Tweet them all at me. Just make sure they're statements, not questions. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast today. I hope you guys enjoyed it this morning or whenever you guys listen to this. I'm sorry that it ran on a little long. I did not expect this many questions. So I'm going to go ahead and just make this short. Get up out of here. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace out. Enjoy the Pistons game and have a good day, guys.